Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Hello, church. How are we all? How exciting is it? Just a couple more weeks and uh, we can get back together face to face in the church building. Uh, That'll be the 19th of July at this stage. And on that next Tuesday, the 21st, uh, the Childers Campus will be getting back together in the evening for their meeting. So we're starting back and Jinjin's underway. And and it's really good to be able to have something more to look forward to. Uh, And then as the days go ahead, who knows, stage four might come and and we won't need to have as much social distancing as our four square metres for the building. But it's an exciting time Uh, and uh, this has been a great journey and we want to continue to add what God's given us, the opportunities, the the way of presenting the gospel with this media. I want to keep that going. I want to do our live services. Uh, So there'll be two services and the details will come. It'll be at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. I have to clean the building between the two services. But, but it's exciting. We're, we're looking forward to what will come and, and we'll keep you informed via internet and email and, and also for those who aren't on the, the web, we'll, we'll catch up with you and uh, do hard copies of our DVDs and our letters so that you all know what's happening. So thank you very much. It's exciting stuff. So let's come to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just thank You that You love us, that You have a plan for every person's life, that Your plans are good to give us a future and a hope. So move in our lives today as we hear Your Word in Jesus' mighty, mighty Name. Amen. Well, last week we began this series on our four key relationships of life and I want to develop those four areas. And look, it's not possible to actually develop each area in one message, but we will jump into each bit. Last week we looked at our view of and our relationship with God. And this week I want to look at our view of and our relationship with ourselves. This is probably the next most most important aspect because this is so pivotal to how we handle life's journey. Let me first say that uh, I'm not a medical practitioner. I'm not a trained psychologist or psychiatrist uh, or counsellor for that matter. Uh, For many people, what I say will will actually help with the problem and give answers to their issues. But for some, you may need longer term assistance and and even professional help. And maybe as we look at today, it might stir up some things in you. Uh, Lifeline Australia is a a great source of help on their their hotline on 13 11 14. That's 131114. So uh, if anything comes up out of today's message, there's a great line you can call and get some help. So uh, let, let's move on with the message. I want to look at, do we love ourselves? You know, we live in a world that has produced a mindset of worthlessness as we drift further and further away from the foundation of God. Life loses its innate purpose. And so people will, will jump onto the ever-changing, temporary, catchy, popular world of causes. There's an enormous number of, of causes, environmental causes, personal rights causes, minority causes, abuse causes, health causes, poverty causes and issues, and so much more. And, and they're not, not all bad or all good. There are some great ones and, and some that we should avoid. But the thing is that people find a sense of self-esteem in, in getting caught up in these causes. And, and it gives them a sense of purpose, a sense of value, and worthiness. You know, 
It can be a contradiction. I remember in Rockhampton years ago seeing a car with two bumper stickers. One had, they, had, they both had a highlight phrase and then a, a, an underlining a subtext. Just one said this, save the bats, uh, stop limestone mining. And the other one right beside it said, save the forest, stop making them into power poles. And, and I hope you see the irony of this. Uh, and for those who didn't, let me explain. Power poles are either made of concrete usually, uh, which is mostly lime, or out of trees and then turned into posts and logs. Uh, and so if you stop mining, you're gonna need more trees. And if you stop using trees, you're gonna need more lime for concrete. And the only other way out is to make poles out of steel uh, and that actually means we need more mining. And if you don't want steel or mining, then you don't have power lines. And, and, and then we all have to go home and, and get our light from maybe whale blubber oil or, or something else and uh, cook our fire um, using wood, which happens to come from trees. And uh, you'd end up destroying more trees. And it would produce more greenhouse gas uh, uh, and all the other stuff that goes with it. In fact, so much more than if we had more power, coal-fired power stations than we currently have. So sometimes jumping on a cause doesn't always have a rationale to it. Having these two bumper stickers was quite an irony for me to see. But I understood somewhere that in in these people's hearts, in our our hearts, all of us, uh, there is a a sense of, I want some kind of value. I want to have a purpose. And when we lose the intrinsic value and purpose of life that is found in God, we easily get caught up in these things to give us that sense of purpose. They're not necessarily bad. I mean, some will be. Yet the Bible gives, in fact, the Bible gives Christians causes to commit to in our lives. But they flow out of the one key cause which is to love God. And that's what we looked at last week. What is my view and my relationship with God? If it flows out of my love for God, then it's gonna be beneficial for my life. But a cause not flowing out of love of God and for God and from God has no eternal foundation, never really satisfied. And two weeks ago, we spoke of a cause that Christians should be involved in. In Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, it says, But you must defend those who are helpless and have, who have no hope. Be fair and give justice to the poor and homeless. So I'm not against us getting involved in causes. It's church of all, all places should be involved in social justice in some measure, should be involved in caring for the poor. And it should be there, but it shouldn't come out of a lack in our lives to try and satisfy something that's missing. See, many times people get caught up in causes and they do so because of an underlying lack. Something's missing inside. They don't know how to love themselves properly. And so they, they wanna get a cause to focus on the outside that distracts them from the real deeper internal battle that often rages within. I would suggest that almost everybody at some time tries to focus on externals when they should be focusing on the internals of their life, their own personal issues. You know, it happened at the beginning with Adam and Eve. You know, Adam did not say when he was called to God about eating the fruit, he didn't say, I'm sorry, God, it was my responsibility. I failed in doing my duty. 
He didn't say that. He, he blamed God and the woman. He says, God, the woman you gave me. You know, so he, he's trying to externalise the problem and, and externalise the issue so he doesn't have to deal with himself. Children do it all the time. You know, that you, something happened and they'll go, well, Johnny gets this or so-and-so gets that or, you know, my friend's parents let him play on the iPad all day. And then we, we feel like we're horrible parents because we don't give our kids all the things that other parents give. Uh, well, uh, th- that's a manipulation. They, they want to move the problem outside. You know, even Peter, <laughs> after the resurrection and, and Jesus has asked him the questions, do you love me? And clearly, Jesus is reinstating him. Jesus is forgiving him. Jesus is restoring him to, to his personhood, getting, dealing with the inner anguish and brokenness of his failure and trying to help Peter recover. And yet Peter wants to avoid this. And, and listen to this in John 21, 20 and 22. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, and we all know that's John, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper. That's the Lord's Supper. And Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about him? What about this man? And Jesus says, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So, so Jesus says, hey, let, let's, let's take away the outside distractions. This is about you, Peter. This for me with God, it's God, it's about me. There's an, there's an old song and I was singing it this week. It was quite funny. It's, it's the song we used to sing, you know, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. There's, there's something about focusing the internal and that's not always easy. It can be quite painful. It can be very distressing but it's where healing comes. It's where wholeness comes. It's getting the inside fixed. And then from the inside being fixed, then we can function in our causes. See, without God in our lives, there is a very real danger and a probability that we will come to the place where we don't even like ourselves. So why do people pretend to be something they're not to impress people they don't like? The answer is they don't even like themselves. We have an epidemic in our world of self-loathing. And sadly, it even happens in the church among Christians. And self-loathing is, is, is not that vicious hatred always, but it's usually the underlying thought, the underlying feeling that we're just not good enough. Not good at this, not good at that, not good at whatever, and not good for much of anything. It can be very subtle or or even become extreme where it's not good enough to not good at all. Sometimes it's hidden in habitually comparing ourselves to others, constantly finding fault with with ourselves and putting others down with no real awareness that there's anything wrong. We can be totally oblivious to this. Sometimes when 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 we get still, we hear And we listen intently, sadly, to that critical inner voice that runs us down and tears us apart, telling us how stupid we are, how embarrassing, how insensitive we are. We can try and suppress that feeling of inadequacy by behaving as though we're superior to others, more intelligent, clever, intuitive, maybe more attractive. 
It's as though we have to prove that we're the absolute best in order to avoid the torrent of internal abuse that's waiting to pounce on us at any moment when we show any fallibility. This is where many get addicted to causes, including the cause of Christ. You're surprised? I hope not. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22 and 23, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your Name, cast out demons in Your Name and then done many wonders in Your Name? And then I will declare to them, says the Lord, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They got caught up in causes that were biblical, causes that were godly, but they missed the key issue. These are religious people. They get caught up in stuff and externals instead of the internal relationship with the one who is the cause, who gives us things to do. People do causes because they struggle to love themselves and need a cause to give them a sense of worth and validation. Listen to this. Here's that division again. In Matthew 25, Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the King will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. See, it wasn't about the cause that these people did what they did. And it's obvious that, that they were in many ways not even conscious of doing the cause because it was normal. It was normal life for them to function like that. It flowed out of who they are, not what they do. And we'll deal with that when we deal, look at our task in, a, in next week. But it comes out of who we are. The self-loathing process is evidence of an internal divide that exists within all people. It's a divide between who we were made to be by God and who we currently are, between our healthy and a real view of ourselves and an enemy that wants to tear us down from within. And sometimes it's ourselves. Sometimes it's thoughts that have been thrown at us as kids or as we've been growing up. Sometimes it's the enemy, the devil and his cohorts who are throwing these fiery darts of negative, critical thoughts into our life and we accept them. And these things come and sometimes that negative internal fight is like fighting tooth and nail to get into our thinking. And that's why the Bible says, bring every thought captive into the obedience of the knowledge of Christ, that the obedience of the intimate knowledge, knowing Him intimately. See, it's only in God that we find the ability to truly love ourselves. And we must learn to love ourselves. It's not, it's not a pride thing. It's just an honest appreciation that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Yes, that image has been damaged, but God's desire is to recover it. That image can be redeemed, can be restored, can be reinitiated and and begun again in Christ. 
It's not based on untruths. It's based on the truth about who we are. Listen to Paul. Paul would be one of the most powerful writers of the New Testament. And he says this in Romans 7, 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Wow. To will, the will is present with me. I want to do the right thing, but how to perform it, I don't know what to do. See, see here's this, this reality check that Paul says, hey, look, I, I, I'm not perfect. In fact, he says, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now he could live in the morbidity or, or the depression of that or the anxiety of that, but, but that's not what he does. Listen to, the, to later on in the chapter, verses 24 and 25. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul goes through this. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. See, outside of Jesus Christ, the truth is there's no good in me. But that does not mean I'm good for nothing. Listen, there's no good in my flesh, but that does not mean I'm good for nothing. Paul says in Christ. What Paul tells me here is that there is hope. I don't need to live accepting the torment of the inner flesh self that wants to criticise and tear me down. Tell me I'm useless, I'm hopeless, I'm no good. I want to hear the Spirit of God speak and hear His Word and start to believe what He says in spite of all that, even in the midst of all of that. I'm loved, I'm of value, I'm worth something to God. That's why he goes on in the very next verse, the beginning of the next chapter, which in the writing of the book never had chapter divisions. It just flowed straight on. And Paul says this, wretched man that I am, thank God Jesus is going to deliver me. There is therefore. So because of that, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, the law of sin and death works in me. There's nothing good in my flesh, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It gives me hope. It gives me purpose. It gives me reason to live. Loving God allows me to learn to love myself with truth as the foundation. I'm not denying my sin, my weaknesses, my failings, but I'm seeing a bigger picture a better future, a better story for my life. When I learn to love myself, then I can actually start to love others properly. So we need to find out if anyone loves us, if we're going to love others. That's how we find out who we truly are. And John 13, 34 says it like this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Here's a, a great truth. It's part of the new commandment and it's, it's the love as He has loved us. How can we love others with that kind of love if we've never received it, never experienced it, never accepted it into our lives? I want to love. It's a starting one. God in Jesus loves you. God in Jesus loves you, loves you so much. Listen, in 1 John 4, 17 to 19, love has been perfected among us in this, 
It's perfected in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in the world. How is He? He's loving. He's loving us when we didn't deserve it. Loving us when we failed. Loving us to give us a future and a hope. It says this, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because, listen, we love him because he first loved us. I cannot love myself. I cannot love God without experiencing his love toward me, without having a revelation of how much God loves me. We love because we are first love. The ability to love, we love because we are first loved. Because I'm loved, I can love myself. I can love God. I can love others. Learning to live and walk in that love teaches us to love to love ourselves and love others. And we can't love until we've experienced it, until we found someone who's loved us so fully, knowing who we are completely. Like Paul says, in my flesh no good thing dwells, a wretched man that I am. Then he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. See, love so full, someone who knows all my failings, all my sins, all my habits, all my weaknesses, all my attitudes, loves me completely. We cannot love ourselves until we've realised we've been loved in our failure. I mean, it's that famous verse, God so loved the world. What a powerful statement. So how does God love? You know, Love can teach, we, we can learn so much and life teaches so much. But, you know, obviously the death of Jesus on the cross in love to provide forgiveness of sin and open the way to eternal life by His resurrection and the opportunity of a relationship with God is the most powerful demonstration. But, but sometimes that can seem so huge, so far, so vast that we struggle to grasp it. And so God actually helps us with the journey. So we grow in our love, that love can be perfected. So let me break it down a little bit. And I see love in seasons. From birth, hopefully, in a proper family, whether it's mum and dad or mum or dad, it doesn't, that's not the issue, where, where that proper heart of love is. From birth, we're hopefully loved without conditions. We're loved through the dirty nappies and the all nights of crying, through the colic, through, through throwing up, through all those little things. And sometimes God's love it, 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 for us is like that kind of a parent's love. We, we, we are just so ignorant of everything around us and we mess up so easily and we throw up. And you know what? God still loves us. As we grow in a good family again, we find training and, and some of that includes discipline, some in, in teaching, encouraging. And we have those moments where, where we may find our parents to be cross at our behaviour. And there are moments at times, and I know this as a parent, where when your child does something that's not completely correct, but they do it in such a way that as a parent, you can't help but 
you sort of have to hide it. Maybe teachers experience this with, the, with their students, especially primary school kids, I suppose, maybe in their high schools as well. But the kids do something that you know it's wrong, but it just cracks you up inside. You're just like, you've got to, you've got to hide the laughter because it's, there's such an amusing, innocent ignorance of what they've just done. I, I'm, I remember in the Alpha course, Nikki Gumbel, shares a, uh, an account of a, a nanny, they call her an opa, a, a nanny in England who was actually uh, Hispanic or sp- from Spanish, Spain area, not Hispanic, but from Spain. And she was working in London and uh, the kids were playing up, messing around upstairs in the bedroom. And, and she raced upstairs and, and, and she, with, with a poor concept of English, she, she, she shouted at the kids, what are you doing on earth? When we would say, what on earth are you doing? And it's probably a good question, but the humour of that, what are you doing on earth? You know, it's this journey of life. And sometimes the love of God is, is that God sees what we do and He knows that we're in many ways immature in our faith. He knows that we're on a journey. He's not condemning. He will correct and maybe discipline and train and instruct because that's what the Bible's for. But there's not a sense of condemnation, but love. And sometimes God's love is like that. Maybe we go through really hard times and the times of great grief and and the pain might be emotional, might be physical. We might have an accident and break a leg or we might have a broken relationship as kids. And, and, you know, puppy love feels real to the puppy. Uh, And so uh, there's this thing where a parent just comes alongside and, and weeps with a child and comforts them in their tears. And, you know, sometimes God's love is like that. You know, in our 20s, those, we get through those rebellious teens and early 20s. And, you know, that's the season when we know everything. Um, maybe we should have the 18, 19 year olds run the country because they know it all. Uh, and I love that. You know, I was like that. I, I knew everything. I was passionate about the causes and, you know, stop sand mining on the islands. You know, I, I was passionate about those things. And, and parents then can often be very patient. My mum was so patient with me. And, and looking back, I'm sure that I, I grieved her heart with my, my wicked behaviour. I'm sure I grieved her heart by my conduct and the way I behaved and and yet mom just kept loving me through it all. Just kept reaching out to me. It kept letting me know I was loved for who I was, not what I did. And sometimes God's love is, is so much like that, that he, he, he wants us to know that we're loved for who we are. Through the trials, through our rebellious years. And, and then maybe hopefully by our 30s, we realise how arrogant and stupid and proud and selfish uh, we were in those days. And... We might come into that season where we actually communicate with our parents and uh, seek their advice. And we may not always take it, but at least we'll ask. And then when we don't take their advice, and, and often that is not wise, but sometimes you, you might make a better decision, but often it's, it's unwise and, and things hit the wall and, and damage happens. You know, your parents, good parents are still there to pick you up. And sometimes God's love is like that. When we head off on our own, even after having advice and we mess it up, God is there to pick up the pieces, not to condemn us, but to help us learn in life's journey that every experience, good or bad, will be something that helps us grow to know the perfect love of God, that His love 
might be perfected in us. There are so many facets of God's love And as we journey through life, hopefully our revelation of how and of how much God loves us through all these seasons helps us learn to love ourselves more. Even in our failures, not to to beat ourselves up, but to identify the wrong, acknowledge it, repent and learn and grow. How to rejoice in our successes and not put on a false humility and to encourage ourselves in the Lord, in our failures, even in our sins, to repent and forgive ourselves. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy when we should learn to be our own best friend. This is the David's thought, the thoughts about David, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. David's just come back from taking his men to battle and and while he's been off at war, some raiders have come in and raided their hometown and basically because the men have been away at war, the the town was open to this raid and the kids were captured, their wives were captured, their goods were stolen. And it says this in verse uh, verse 6 of chapter 30, 1 Samuel, and David was greatly distressed. And now, Okay, David's, I understand David being distressed. He's lost his wife, his kids, his, his assets. He's lost everything. But it goes on, for the people spoke of stoning him. So now David's not only lost everything as far as that, he's lost the support of his team. He, he's been abandoned and they actually want to stone him. That's kill. They want to kill him because the soul of all the people was grieved. So everyone's grieving And when everyone's grieving, people don't think clearly. When everyone's hurting, they don't think clearly. They go to extremes. They don't want to hear a balanced view. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See, David in essence, says, there's nothing good in me, but I've got a good God. There's nothing good in me. Everything's fallen apart. It's failed around me and I need help. And he encourages himself in the Lord. There's this, there's this relationship with God. He's got that first part right. His view of God is God is gracious and merciful and slow to anger, abundant loving kindness, a God who relents from doing harm. God is a restorer, a repairer of the breach, a healer of the broken places. And so David seeks his God. See, David could get down on himself or he could get up and deal with it. See, self-love faces our internal and external issues with truth and does what it can to redeem the situation. Maybe we need to fix character flaws, restore the brokennesses. Maybe we need to seek forgiveness with repentance and possibly restitution if that's what it takes. But love realises their goal is restoration. A restoration of who I am, not just what I do in my relationships outside, but my relationship with myself. See, God did all of that for us because God is love. He sought restoration when He was the offended party, when He had done no wrong. So that is what we can do if we can learn to love ourselves. We can learn to love ourselves by learning to live in relationship 
with the God who is love. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. To get rest in your soul means there's a peace within. It means we learn to love ourselves. And Jesus doesn't say it's hard. He says, when we yoke with Him, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, it's near impossible to love yourself properly outside of knowing the love of God, outside of having God's love in you and receiving and experiencing that love firsthand. Then we can love ourselves. And we can learn to love ourselves while acknowledging our sin and our weaknesses, our failure. And like Paul said, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. But we can learn through all that because of God and His nature to love ourselves. In John 15, 12, Jesus says, this is, my, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Unless we know His love, we can't love like that. In Matthew 19, 19, it says, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And again in 22, and Mark and Luke recorded as well, in Matthew 22, 37 to 40 or 39, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. You know, to be honest, there are some people I don't want them loving me like they love themselves. I want to love God. I want to love myself so that then I can actually love people like I love myself because I love myself like God loves me. Because I've experienced the love of Christ, I can express it to myself and to others. I can love my neighbour as myself knowing that love will be good because it's the love of God in me. And if I cannot love myself, then I will struggle. I will struggle to love others with integrity and rightly. I cannot love if I do not know the love of God, if I have not received His love. And if I want to be whole, I have to love myself. He first loved us so we could learn to love ourselves and then that we could show His love to others. In James 2, so Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Peter, John, Paul, James, if you really fulfil the law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You do well. Well, I want to do that. I want to love them correctly. I want people to know that love. I want people to experience not just the love I've experienced, but the love from God directly. I don't want them to get a secondhand love relationship with God. I want people to have a firsthand relationship. That's why our church logo at the front is connecting people to Jesus. We demonstrate Jesus' love in the way we live, the way we love ourselves, the way we love one another. We demonstrate that and then they receive the love in that community and eventually they focus and they receive the love of God. Then they can love themselves. They can forgive themselves. They can be honest with themselves. So to love others, we first have to learn to love ourselves.
And to learn to love ourselves, we first have to accept and receive and live in the love of God given to us in Jesus Christ. How do we start that journey? We begin that journey by acknowledging who we are. Like Paul says, O wretched man that I am. God, there's nothing good in me. I might do some good deeds, but the value, the core of that, does it flow from God's love? The Bible says when we're without God, nothing we do really matters. It doesn't really count. It's not that God is nasty. It's not that God's against us. God is for us and He wants to equip us to receive His love. We do that by saying, God, I'm sorry. I know that I've lived without You for so long. I know that there's a tendency so much within me to try and make it right by myself, to make myself better, but I cannot pull myself up by my bootlaces. When I do that and acknowledge the truth, then I can find the answer, which is, God, please forgive me. I know You love me. Your Word teaches me, it shows me, it demonstrates it to me. I want to see that love in my life. I want to learn to love myself so I can love my kids, love my family, love my brothers and my sisters, love my parents. You know, I I want to be able to love people properly. So help me learn to love myself. And then we pray, God, forgive me. I accept your love to my life. I accept the forgiveness you give me and then move on. Begin that journey as a Christian. And so if you want to do that today, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And it needs to agree with your heart. Your heart has to agree with this. Otherwise, it's just words. They're not magic words. Unless they're a heart cry, they have no value. But if they're a heart cry from you, God, I want to know you. I want to know the love of God. I want to find a wholeness within. I don't want to keep beating myself up. I don't want to have a self-loathing. I want to have a self-love, a proper love for myself. Then we receive Jesus as our Lord. And if you agree with that and you want to know Jesus, say yes to Him and His love. Just pray with me. Let's pray. Today I come to you, Heavenly Father, and I ask you to forgive me in Jesus' Name. Thank you for Him coming on the cross and giving His life for me. I accept that that was a necessary sacrifice for the sin of my life. and for the sin of the world. Thank You for showing me such great love. Help me to experience that love so I can live and walk in it each day. And so today, I receive Jesus Christ And I accept Him as the Lord of my life. In Jesus' Name I ask. Amen. Thank you so much. That is such a a powerful truth that God loves you. And the more we experience the love of God, the more His love is perfected in us, the more we love ourselves properly, and the better we can love others, both in the church and in the world, for God is love and God did so love the whole world. Let's love one another. 
God bless you, church. God bless you, visitors and family. Pray that God bless you and God rests upon you in days ahead. And we'll catch you next week.